You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma stories through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This Is Oklahoma Podcast. Mike and here, your host, back with another episode. Excited today to bring you somebody who whose work you've probably seen. You've driven by it. Uh, he's kind of been, I guess, becoming more, uh, I don't know the right word for it. I, I was about to say more important, but not that he's <laughs> not important. But I think you've, the city, I think, is more aware of your work, especially after the backdrop you the for the city address this year. You had the backdrop for it, which is really special. And the mm-hmm. cover for the latest Oklahoma, magazine, Oklahoma Hall of Fame magazine was also the same artwork that you've done. But welcome to the podcast, Mr. Carlos Barbosa, uh, amazing artist, mm-hmm. uh, muralist, I would say now. Didn't start out like that which we'll get into the story but mate thanks so much for coming down excited to dive into your story obviously yeah. right now you have you know a, a small exhibit upstairs in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame until mm-hmm. September 15th which we've just done a nice little walk and talk about the video to that will mm-hmm. be live on our channel somewhere um, but I mean art, art is something that like I love right and, mm-hmm. and I don't, I'm not really a big collector of it other than like golf side of things it's my passion but also mm-hmm. it's just it's the emotion that it gets that, mm-hmm. that you get from it right I think sure. it's really cool and and then listening to you talk about the pieces and explain the pieces and where this inspiration comes from just explains it even more so mm-hmm. I'm really thankful that we did that little 10 minute walk and talk upstairs because now I have so much more appreciation for the pieces that are on display upstairs but yes, man. Yeah, thank you. before we get into all the art stuff okay. Tell me about you, man. Where did you grow up? Sure. Uh, well, first off, thank you for having me on. Uh, Pleasure. Really pleased to be here. Um, and yeah, I mean, my uh, um, I was born in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and uh, I lived up there until I was 10. Um, and uh, yeah, this is when we made the move here to the States, and I've been here ever since. Um, so yeah, Costa Rica is kind of where I where I started out. Costa Rica is an epic place. Yeah, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's kind of a, a pretty cool spot. And um it's a it's a place where I'm, I'm very lucky that I grew up there just because you know it's, it's a completely different cultural landscape than yeah. Oklahoma for sure um, and uh, yeah I mean there's definitely a lot of aspects of it that I've kind of carried with me for my, my entire life mm-hmm. um, you know Pura Vida being its, it's moniker I think it's something that I always try to live by it's you know trying to live the best life you possibly can you know yeah 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 so you lived there until you were 10 mm-hmm. um family moved to the states did they come to oklahoma first or do you just move stateside where was where was the first kind of stop when you came here yeah so i mean the, the reason i guess just go a little further back the reason why we moved was uh at least allegedly my mom said is because she saw um potential in the arts for myself and then also my sister's uh really bright and, and they um yeah, like we made a trip to uh, the states when I was three, mm-hmm. and I think we all fell in love with the U.S. and kind of what the, uh, you know, went to Disneyland, obviously, so that's a very easy sell. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like this is here, so you want to live here, clearly. Um, and yeah, I don't know, ever since then, I was always obsessed with the idea of living in America, and once I, yeah, in 1999, October, we decided to make the move, and uh, we ended up here in Oklahoma because we have family here, so naturally, you know, that's kind of what brought us here specifically, and yeah, moved to El Reno, and yeah. again, really vast difference from where I was living beforehand, 
Um, but, you know, ever since then, I mean, we kind of have been raised very much in the American way. And um, I think that definitely has a lot to say into who I am today as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mum saw potential in your artwork, even that young on. You were big in art as a, from a very young age then. Yeah, man. I've been drawing for a long time. It was as far back as I can, I can definitely remember. Um, yeah. And in Costa Rica, I mean, I have a lot of memories uh, being enrolled in a cartooning class. Okay. And I might be perceiving it differently now just because I'm older, but I remember back then I felt like it was me as a seven-year-old with a bunch of adults in this class. And might have been teens, you know, but to me, like, they were gigantic Today figures. they were so, old. Yeah. So they were probably all just older kids. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of like my first intro into actually, like, learning... Um, like technical mm-hmm. parts of drawing, you know, where you draw a circle and you draw a line right through the middle and you do the dashes for the eyes, and that's kind of what gets you started on sure. painting a face. And it was also great to kind of know, once we learn that, it's okay, now let's try and break the rule and let's try and do something a little bit more abstract and let's do a cartoon of a person or a caricature. Um, so anyway, that was very early on, and I've been drawing uh, since then. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stories my parents will tell me about. Um, you know, <clears throat> me getting in trouble in school because I would show up with a homework with a drawing, and the teacher thought it was my parents that did it, and so they'd get called in and they had to explain. <laughs> like, no, 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 we swear it was him. He was someone of his drawings, and so yeah, I mean, every very early on, I mean, there was definitely already a a path for me where I kind of knew, okay, I think I might be good at this, so yeah, let's just pursue yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. So, and you also said your sister's is she a very artist? Yeah. Well, my sister well? kind of decided to kind of uh, pivot a little bit. She's also very artistic, but she became an architect. Okay. And um, and then my other sister, she just had like a different skill set altogether, and she's now a nurse. She's yeah. a very uh, she's a wonderful mother, and uh, uh, yeah, she's really great at what she does yeah. as well. Is you know? there everyone still in Oklahoma? No. So my oldest sister, the architect, she uh, moved to Milan, Italy, about seven years ago, and she works in urban engineering over there. That doesn't suck at and, all. Uh, yeah, it? no, man. Like she'll <laughs> send us awesome. pictures. Like, hey, yeah, I'm just hanging out in the Alps, <laughs> skiing, no big deal in the French Alps. And it's uh, 110 in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, wow, this looks wonderful. But yeah, yeah. you know, and it, it all kind of comes with the. Uh, there's a lot of baggage too. Whenever you are an immigrant, you know, you go show up to a place that you don't really recognize, sure. really know very many people, and. Um, I think there's also always a lot of loneliness involved whenever you're an immigrant in an mm-hmm. unknown country. And so I know my sister's kind of gone through that as well and trying to just figure out how to navigate a whole different continent and a whole different culture. Yeah. But now she knows three languages, which is awesome, you know? That's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool to have. I'm sure mom and dad are super proud. And, and for you, like now you can go to, you know, the Europe and travel because you have a home base now. Yeah, right? exactly, man. I actually yeah. plan on, uh, hopefully I'll go and visit her uh, at the end of the year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll be my first time kind of visiting that part of the world so I'm right. very very excited so growing up then so you come to the states you know you come to Oklahoma you go to El Reno mm-hmm. and art is you know is, is clearly a passion and you're very good at it and mm-hmm. you've had lessons in it you know from a young age when you're in high school and stuff and, and this is still a passion are you trying to figure out how I can make money from doing this like so, so you're in high school what like mid 2000s yeah I graduated in 2008 okay so early I graduated 2000s. in 2009 so we're very close yeah. to each other then so mm-hmm. like what was your kind of like when you get to high school are you selling any artwork are you doing work of prints like how do you kind of navigate you know graduating high school maybe going to university thinking because a lot of people who draw right mm-hmm. like it's just something that everyone does when they're a kid yeah you know and it's like no one really says I want to do this as a career. You know, they, they go, they do the cliche thing. They go to university, they get a degree and then they never draw again. Right. Yeah. Sadly. Mm. But the kind of the, the great thing about the period that we both grew up in is that the internet was coming along and there's mm-hmm. more creative, especially now, but like, you know, when we were in our like late teens, early twenties, it was, it was, 
the opportunity was there for us to be creative and make money out of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to know your journey through kind of like high school into early adulthood, maybe university, of how you realize that this could be a way for me to make a career and earn a living. Yeah, so there's actually a little bit of a plot twist here because I actually, for the longest time, um, especially after we moved to the States, I was very obsessed with film. Okay. And that's actually what I wanted to pursue. I kind of pivoted to, and um, you know, I still always drew, and I and I feel like to a certain extent, it's a little bit of the same discipline of trying to fill a frame, yeah. you know, and, and thinking of composition and and how to tell a story with one image and that kind of thing. So I never felt like they were two completely different disciplines. But um, filmmaking is kind of what I was obsessed with uh, as a teen into my adulthood, and um, yeah, I don't know. It was. Uh, like, did you want to be a car like draw cartoons in film, like Toy Story? Like, no, I want no? to be a filmmaker. You I wanted to, make I wanted to write and direct okay. movies. Um, I became very yeah, had like you know, and I, which I think every filmmaker these days they'll have like that renaissance when they were like eleven or twelve of like watching Pulp Fiction and Fight Club and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I did too, and yeah, I was just obsessed with filmmaking, and I learned everything that I could about it, and I made short films with my friends, all the works. Um, and yeah, you know, I thought growing up, everybody would tell me I was going to be an artist. I'd be like, well, little do they know I'm actually going to be a filmmaker. Yeah. You, know, you guys are in for a surprise here. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I pursued for a long time. Um, but it's funny because like drawing and painting and that kind of thing is kind of what helped me till I get into college. Yeah. You know? And uh, and I still always drew and painted, but it was always like movie related. I have movie characters or it was, you know... A celebrity or like you know an actor that I really liked or you know just monsters that kind of thing it was all just a great uh, great way for me to imagine that I was a filmmaker or something like that you know still using my imagination and yeah, yeah, yeah. and trying to exercise it in a different way um, but yeah I don't know that was kind of the main focus and so through college I thought I would be a filmmaker and then um, I wanted to move out to California and try my hand at that you know. Yeah, I mean that's because well that's where you go, right? Yeah. That's where you go to you be go a filmmaker. You know where? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so do you? You went to California before you went to university, or do you go to university to do film and then went to California? Well, so something else too that has kind of been a through line in my life that I kind of wanted to mention too is whenever we first moved to the states, um, we overstayed our, our tourist visa. Yeah. And so after a year and a half or something like that, you know, my friends and I or my sisters and I had made friends and. We were pretty well settled in the States. And then uh, I remember my parents brought us together in the living room and said, okay, so um, our <clears throat> attempt to get an actual like permanent visa has fallen apart. So mm -hmm. if we stay beyond this date, we will be here illegally, or we can just move back to Costa Rica and just yeah. kind of continue what we were doing there. And, you know, at the time I was probably 12, 13, you don't really understand the ramifications of what it means to be in the country mm -hmm. uh, with no documents. And so... My sister and I decided to stay, and so my parents were probably like, "Well, oh, crap. Okay. Well, we'll we'll try our best here, you know, and what we have." And that is uh, being undocumented here. Is something that has very much, um, I guess, been in the way for a long time. Okay. You know, it was really it was just a few years ago that I was able to get my green card and be able yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah move forward but yeah because I've out of all the interviews I've done I don't think I've had anyone kind of dive into that experience that yeah. doing that especially at, at the age that you were at right because you kind of understand but you don't understand yeah you know it's not like you're like 30 years old and you're like I'm clearly aware of the situation you know you're growing up in this too and you've made all these friends I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that just didn't make sense yeah and I was living the dream you know I was in America and I was in the country that I wanted to live in since I was three and um yeah it was very uh 
difficult as, as I was growing up because, uh, let's say, like, whenever I turned 16, I was had time to get a driver's license. I couldn't yeah. actually get one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, teen life, being so social and being so about what you can do and not, uh, that was a huge deal for me. And, you know, finally, it's kind of funny, my parents and I found, like, this loophole in Utah, I think it was, where we did have a real social security number. Uh-huh. Um, and that was the only actual ID that we had. But it was a real one, which is great. And all you needed was that, and then a Utah address. And so I just went and moved with a couple, with a few people yeah. uh, that we knew, family, friends, and I uh, was able to get my driver's license. You know, and so drove back to Oklahoma, lost my wallet a week later. Oh no! And so me and my dad had to trek back to Utah over the course of one or two days and just get it renewed and uh, come back here. So anyway, like that was something that always kind of followed me and prodded me whenever I was wanting to move ahead. Yeah. So when it came time to, for college and thinking of those options, I couldn't apply for any scholarships right. and I sure. couldn't apply for uh, any kind of student aid. Um, so if I wanted to go to college, it had to be paid, mm-hmm. uh, you know. What you're saying, it's not it's cheap. It's not easy, it's no, not cheap. No, no, no. Yeah. And, uh, so I did actually get to apply to UCO and I went there for uh, about a year and a half, but my job at the, t- or my dad had a job at the time that actually paid relatively well for our situation. And so he was able to pay the college fees, but then he lost that job. And so I had to drop out of college basically. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, since then, I mean, I just kind of existed in the world, just working on jobs and just trying to wait it out yeah. and hope that something would happen. And so that's how I spent most of my twenties, just kind of trying to, survive and float around and, and so then the art side of things became a release for you at that point or yeah something you know to and do, i still drew and i still painted yeah it yeah. was um you know the, the idea of like filmmaking was kind of starting to wean a little bit and i i was just drawing and painting and i think it was mostly because i just uh maybe it was just a little bit hopeless at the time right mm-hmm. i kind of knew that my options were very limited um and then something great that happened was when obama was president he passed the deferred action for childhood arrivals which was um helping out kids that were brought to the country mm-hmm. um, at a very early age and uh, help them at least have the ability to get a job, yeah. which to me, that was huge. You know, that meant that I could actually like walk into like a Best Buy and fill out an application yeah. and work there. Um, so anyway, what I did though, was once I, I had that card, cause I fit into the criteria that was required, I just jetted for California. And I was just like, okay, I'm gonna pursue my film thing now. Cause now I can, you know, yeah, I have I like can. this permission to, yeah. to work here. Um, so I got to California and started working. Yeah, I lived there for about five to six years trying to, you know, just writing screenplays and working on films from time to time in our department, doing set dressing, and which is just really glorified furniture moving. Um, and, you know, and it was actually like a really great time and I learned a lot. I feel like that was kind of my uh, baptism by fire, sure. becoming an adult of actually like learning how to maintain myself. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I spent that time anyway into my twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, always painting and stuff, and trying to always like working on my artwork. Still, you know. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I mean, I kind of understand it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can kind of relate because you know I, I'm an immigrant as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I came here on a student visa, which is also total different to kind yeah. of your situation, right? But. You know, like people will never understand other, other than people who have been in your similar situation, who have mm. come from South America up to America. And also people don't really understand how amazing it is here. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like people like yourself and like me and others want to live in this country. It's very hard for some people to understand that, yeah. right? Because they grew up here and they, this is all they'll, they'll ever know, right? And mm-hmm. they see Costa Rica or they see Milan or they see some, you know, the Alps or whatever and think, I'd love to live there. It'd be amazing. Yeah, it would, but also like when you move to the states, like 
it's something about being here that you can now do anything like you what you do today is because you are in this country right, right? yeah like the, the fact that like you paint and now you spray walls in the way that you do like and the abundance of wall space is amazing yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know like it, it's and it all ties into your story and then also you get to express that through your artwork which is the beauty of it yeah man and also i think that there's something to be said about you know there is very kind of uh easy to to note that immigrants work really, really hard, especially, I mean, if you've ever worked in a restaurant or a kitchen, like, you can see just how much, like, those guys are really just busting it back there. And not just that, but, you know, my dad, the way that he worked and how he uh, spent the entire day gone from home because he was out working and trying to get whatever he could. And and I think it's because, it, I think it's very easy to take for granted being comfortable and having everything, you know? You, you really do have everything here. Yeah. And... Uh, for us, anyway, it's we've had to pay our way through it. You know, it's uh, more so, I think, than anybody else who just grew up here. You know, I'm not saying that uh, people's lives here aren't hard, but it's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into earning yeah. your status as an, as an American, you yeah. know? And so, for me, anyway, I feel like that's something that's always really um, um, molded me into who I am as well. And also... It's something very interesting as well that it's just kind of like a side note, but um, the fact that I don't really quite feel like I even have like an identity into like any one country. So Costa Rica, you know, I lived there until I was 10. Uh, It's a completely alien country to me. I haven't been back since, and I'd like to now that I'm capable of going. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, there's that side. Uh, I can't quite call myself a Costa Rican. I feel sometimes fraudulent to say that, yeah, I'm from Costa Rica because I don't really know it. But um, it's also kind of fraudulent to say that I'm from here because I've never quite got the permission to be here, if you will, until recently, I suppose. Right. Um, so that's another thing, too, that I've been trying to figure out. So, like, with my artwork, like, am I trying to say something about this? Or I don't know. I don't really psych- psychoanalyze myself too much, but I feel like there's definitely something there to be Yeah, to for be sure. Dug. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating to me, and, I, and, and just kind of the way your story comes together, right? And, and mm. just, and you're right, with the hard work thing, and also people don't really understand how hard it is because we take for granted that, like, we can just go get a driver's license when you turn 16. Yeah. You know, like... Even for me, when I had my visa to go to college, like I could go, I had a social security number so I could work at my university, mm-hmm. right? Like that wasn't, was not hard for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like, again, like you can't survive unless you earn money. Yeah. Right? You yeah, can't buy yeah. art supplies, you can't travel. Like, so it must have been super tough living in that time where you're like, I mean, it's such a risk as well. Cause if yeah. anybody finds out that wants to be a real pain in the backside and like, you know, like, you know, whatever, say to the authorities, hey, I know someone who's your own, you know, un- yeah. illegally, like, mm-hmm. you run that risk too. So... Yeah, it was a constant you know. fear in the back of your mind, you know, like, you were always told yeah. growing up, like, keep a low profile. Someone Don't. could knock the door and you'd be back mm-hmm. to Costa Rica or whatever, yeah. right? And the reason, I mean, like, for the longest time, I avoided talking about this, like, the plague, because... Oh, yeah. For one, you know, it was dangerous to talk about yes. it, and secondly, it was embarrassing, yeah. you know, and I was very ashamed to... You know, and again, it was just like the teen angst that was probably sure. making me feel this way of like, I'm not quite like anybody else and it's something that I want to suppress. Um, and so, you know, whenever I told my friends that I had a license from Utah, it was just like, oh yeah, I spent the summer there. Yeah. But, you know, that was not true. It was, uh, I had to do that. And so anyway, um, something I didn't like to speak about for a long time, but really, I mean, I think that it is very important to speak about, especially for me nowadays, because I mean, there are still millions of people out there that are in the same situation. And um, I've had a lot of people... Uh, who say like have very rough 
opinions on immigration, they know me and they can now have like a more personal take on yeah. what immigration means to them after they get to know me. And what most people need to realize is that, you know, it's not just me, it's everybody. Right. You know, everybody's like, oh, well, you're the one, you're one of the ones that needs to stay. Yeah. I said, well, there's other people that are doing there's way better things than me. That, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's and, and so, yeah, it's an issue that I, I definitely become a little bit more outspoken about and want to try and help more in the Latino community as far as, you know, promoting that and trying to be more transparent about what the struggle really is like for uh, young immigrants here who really, they just want the dignity to be able to work and pursue yeah, because uh, then you, you're kind of you given know. like the golden ticket, right? You're like, now you have a, a you know a social security number and a visa or whatever. Now you can go and earn money, whatever it is that you you can do, you can yeah. apply for, and then you can follow your passion. Yeah, now you can be a normal person, right? You know? And so, uh, yeah, it's definitely a very important issue for me. And uh, yeah, it's something that it only got resolved in my life about three years ago. You know, which is amazing that it's yeah. only that recent, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, in, so was that breakthrough then for like the last, you know, since the last three years, is that when you really started selling your art or no, did so you, were you selling it before? Oh, I mean, actually, no, forget that. Let's go to the movie thing because yeah, you were yeah. still in California before <laughs> you went on that tangent. Apologize. Yeah. Um, tell me about like the movie thing in California and then take this up to like coming back to Oklahoma. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few reasons why I moved back to Oklahoma. One was, um, so I was under the DACA the dreamer sure. uh, protection. And once the Trump administration kind of came in, they threatened to end that, which they were, they really tried. But at the time, I mean, whenever they made that announcement to me, it was just like, okay, the jig is up. I have to head back to Oklahoma, start gathering my things, you know, cause what do you do whenever you get into that deferred action is, you know, you give them your information. You're this in the where system. I live, you're in the system. Yeah. And so if they were ever to end that, it'd be like they have a very convenient list of people here that shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And so whenever that happened, um, yeah, I had to quit my job in California. I told everybody why I was moving back. And uh, um, it was a terrible time. You know, like I really didn't want to have to leave, but as we'll move forward, we'll find out that that was actually a great thing that happened to me was moving back to Oklahoma. Okay. Um, but yeah, so whenever I came back, I mean, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that, you know, I couldn't possibly pursue film Yeah. here. I mean, I guess I could, but... I had already kind of lost contact with everybody that worked in the film industry out here, and um, I knew that I was good at drawing and painting, so I started applying to every ad agency, marketing firm that I could, and always got the same reply that was, you're really talented, but we just know what we would do with you, you know? So I sounded just like, you know, my iPad drawings and all that kind of stuff, and I had understand, you know, there was no, I had no place in, in you know... Uh, What's coming up with uh, logos or doing right. branding, that kind of yeah. thing. That's just not my discipline. So yeah. I, I totally understood that. Um, so yeah, man, I kind of just stopped painting and drawing and just started finding, again, whatever job that I could. Yeah. It kind of gave me through. I was doing land surveying, which was fun, I guess. I yeah. mean, it was an amal amalgamation of everything that I hate, you know, being outside and bugs and spiders and <laughs> yeah. and uh, threats of snakes biting. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, was, it was really awful. But, you know, I was getting by. And that's whenever... Um, around March of 2018 is when a really good friend of mine, Jessie, she runs the neutral salon in, in Yukon. It's a hair place. Um, she asked me if I would be willing to paint a mural behind her building. And so there was a week um, at my land surveying job where we just weren't going to work because the ownership was going to be out of town on vacation. And so she's like, hey, let's just do it this week. So we have to really knock it out in a matter of five days because then I need to go back to work. Yeah. So I did that one mural. Um, and I was, I loved it. I was very proud of it. And everybody seemed to really like it. And then that led to another one, you know, and then it led to another one. 
And so I remember just doing them enough to where I would, you know, think like once this dries up, then I'll go back to a regular job and live with my life. But it's been three and a half years and I'm still doing it. So I'm still kind of waiting for the, <laughs> for the bubble to burst, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into that. And I hadn't, I never had any ambition to do murals yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that was a way to make a living. Right. And then I did the one. And so all of a sudden, everything kind of started to make sense as to why I've been painting and drawing this whole time. I think I've just kind of been learning and trying to, uh, everything that I drew or painted beforehand, it felt to me it was just like an exercise of me learning how to paint hair or how to paint skin, yeah. how to get really good at doing eyes and somebody looking at you and doing portraits and that sort of thing. And so looking back, um, it was all kind of leading to this almost. You know, right. It's kind of the way that I feel like. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, and everything it's makes sense now, you know? Right. Now it does. Looking yeah. back, it does, right? At the yeah. time, you're like, yeah, I'll do this because you're going to pay me to paint the back of your building. Why yeah, not? Right? at the time, it was like, like the most money that I'd made on, like, one thing. And so I thought, yeah, you know, maybe I can just do a few of these and maybe I can move back to California. You yeah. Know? And that was kind of actually what I was thinking. But uh, suffice to say, I, yeah. Still here. I stayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... At that point then, before she comes to you and asks, will you paint a mural, are you selling any of your paintings? Are you painting for no. friends? Like you're just, it's still like a hobby. Well, yeah, I think maybe I would sell a thing uh, once every few months, you know? Like somebody would ask me to do a portrait of their yeah. their dad or something like that. And so I would do that or somebody's dog. It's a very popular demand. Um, and that's kind of the extent of me selling my artwork. I never really did anything at that point that was, you know, yeah, me expressing myself even though I will say like in California I didn't paint a lot just for me and a lot of like my favorite work came from that time when I was just trying to work out what I wanted to paint about and like my subjects and um, but yeah I mean like I didn't quite and it's funny so I, I never thought that Oklahoma would be a place where I could make a living being an artist and I remember my friends Jesse being one of them the one that hired me for the first mural her and her husband, who's one of my really good friends, they would always tell me, like, dude, no, like, you can totally make a living doing this here. Mm -hmm. And I was very stubborn and said, no, no, no. So then finally, like, she had me do her mural. And ever since then, I mean, like, I can't really look them in the eye because it's like, you know, they're like, I told you so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's, um, I, I didn't think that I could actually make a living. So I didn't even entertain that thought, you know. Right. To and me, it was then, just a hobby. And just I'll just paint and draw whenever I get a minute, and yeah, and, yeah, and that'll be it. So, so like I said, when she comes to you and says, will you paint on the back of my building, I'll give you this amount of money to do it or whatever, and you're like, done. Yeah, like, that sounds, sounds amazing. That's more money than I've made for a long time. Why not? Yeah. The good thing is, like, this is a giant billboard, right, of your work. Yeah. That's the beauty of murals, yeah, right? Man. And that, like, clearly kicks off your career. And what's the next phone call you get from that moment? Well, so, you know, I, it's funny how it all kind of happened. Um, like, UConn was really, like, the center for it for a long time. It would be, yeah. like, UConn businesses that were reaching out to me because, right. you know, they saw Jesse's, and then I had a The Smile Steph one you Hill. did, too, right? Uh, eventually, the Smile one came okay. around as well. Um, the bigger one was the, uh, the one that I did by the silos. Epic. The UConn. Uh, yeah, the red and black one. That one, to me, was just like, oh, God, like, I made it. Like, this is it. You oh, know, because, like, awesome. that was, like, the Chamber of Commerce, like, reaching out to me to, to yeah. put up this mural. And so... That one was a very big one. Um, and then another pretty big moment was uh, I did the State Fair mural challenge thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dusty was actually the one that was kind of running mm -hmm. that whole process. And that was like my first introduction to now like the artists in Oklahoma City. Okay. Which is also a huge thing for me because, you know, these are a lot of guys that I looked up to and admired for a very long time. And now I'm part of the community. Part now. of the community. Yeah. And getting yeah. to talk to them. And now they know who I am. And, uh, um, that was a huge one just for um, 
at least becoming a uh, another artist now in their in their radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like every single one, just kind of every mural led to another. And like you said, you know, muralists, the fact that they're outside in public, um, you never know when your next client's gonna come around and see it. And so, yeah, I mean, there were so many times whenever, you know, it would dry up, there's no more murals, and then somebody would call me, be like, hey, I saw your mural here or there, and uh, would love for you to do the building. And right. So, um, yeah, every single one kind of led to another, which was the beauty. Like, the beauty of the mural thing is, as well, is, like, people want to stand in front of it and take a picture uh -huh. because it's a destination thing, especially, like, everyone in Yukon takes pride and want, probably wants a photo in front of that thing. There's yeah. probably people in Yukon who would buy a print of that and yeah, maybe totally. already sold them, right? Whoever knows. But... The beauty of it is like, you know, you would, people would stand in front of it or when the Yukon's big Route 66 town, like, you know, you've got that coming through. There's mm -hmm. so many cool things that have, you know, a tie to a giant mural. And the fact that Oklahoma is really, in Oklahoma City is especially, but also Oklahoma is really kind of, you know, taken the mural thing and just said, yes, we want this, right? Mm -hmm. We want public art to be a thing. And now it's being voted, you know, the best place for public yeah, art or whatever, yeah. like all of these things that are coming out. And it's now become a thing that every business wants a mural down the side of it yeah. or, you know, something that signifies, you know, unity or whatever it is. Like, it's such a great way to express the feeling of the community and the town or the business. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than just a blank wall in the but like everyone, you know, for the most part, owns a business has wall space, regardless if it's in or outside. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. the lucky ones have a huge exterior that they can put some stuff on. You know, it's and it also goes back to like you know when you drive through old towns and they have the old faded like Coca Cola stuff. Yeah. Like it's really cool to see that. Yeah, like and paint that's been up there is kind yeah. of peeling back for many many years. Right. But there was some one point an artist that had some scaffolding set up and painting a giant yeah. giant ad. Yeah, no, it's it's beautiful and that's kind of why I'm so happy that I fell into this because you know. I think I always had trouble painting things that I could imagine in somebody's living room. You know, like for instance, like the work that I have upstairs of, of the man carrying the little girl. Mm -hmm. like who would want to have that sitting in there? Because it has color? such a meaning to it, you. It's just, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's just not, I don't know what like fine art is. Sure. You know, like I don't know what, uh, just something like an ornamental, you know, say like a, a flower set up or something like that. I mm -hmm. just don't really know. Or I don't know if I would want to paint that. So, so I've always painted just things that I think are evocative, you know, something that I feel uh, very personal to. And that usually ends up as a piece that, yeah, it's, oh, this is really dark, very moody, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the beauty about, like, murals is for whatever reason, portraits are great in that scale, you know? Whenever you paint people, it can be a very, like, a... Uh, I don't know, like, out-of-body experience to see something that big kind of looking at you or... Uh, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of sense of awe, I think, whenever you paint something that size. And so I felt very much, okay, yeah, this is this is the format that I like to paint in. It's large scale, yeah. uh, offering people something they really haven't seen before. Um, and yeah, the beauty of it all is it's democratized, you know, that, that piece belongs to everybody in the community and everybody embraces it and it becomes contagious. So all the businesses around it, now they want to have something that people yeah. like stop their cars and look at for a second, you know? Right. Um, and also, it, one of the best feelings is, you know, you'll be up there painting, and uh, if all of a sudden I'll look back, and there's, like, a crowd of people just looking up at it, and everybody kind of has the same expression. So you just kind of give them a little wave and keep working. But it's just, like, that feeling that people are seeing something that stopped them and whatever they were doing, and now they're appreciating it for a minute. And yeah. a lot of these people, is the first time they've been exposed to artwork, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. 
Yeah, because they're just driving by, right? They're they don't have to go to a gallery to see this stuff where they right. usually would. And so a lot of them then maybe all of a sudden become appreciate they appreciate now murals mm -hmm. and want to go see more of them. And yeah. so I think yeah, it's just been a very uh, uh, yes yeah, a very contagious. Um, way to spread your ideas, I yeah, guess. Yeah. So uh, I love that Oklahoma City is really kind of taking it on. Yeah. Know? One of the things that I kind of refer back to that's in a lot of the podcasts I've spoken about is a lot just timing, right? Mm -hmm. Timing's everything. Yeah. And it just, you, you know, the timing of a lot of people's stories, it's just the right time, mm -hmm. right? But it's not, um, it's not like a luck thing It because you've been doing art for since you were, you know, a, a toddler, right? Yeah. You know, it's just, there comes a time where, you know, somebody sees it, you know, you're very good at what you do and that's, well, that's not the luck part, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I hate the word luck when it comes to business success as well. It's timing, but you've obviously put in a lot of reps for that. Yeah. When the timing comes right and, you know, you do something because you, this was the first time you'd done spray paint stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. How was, my question now is how was that like going from a paintbrush and a pen mm -hmm. to like a spray can? Like, were you like, where do I even find spray? Like, how does that start? Yeah. Because um, it's totally different, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like a, it's a completely different kind of brush, you know, that you're so dependent on the wind and the air, you know, just like the way that you hold it and tilt it. Like, it's, it's, it's insane. And I mean, the way that it started was just me talking to the guys here in OKC that were born with a spray can in their hand. You know, the guys that have been doing... Yeah. Uh, lettering or doing graph, you know, for a Dusty, long time. Chris. Dusty, yeah, yeah, all those guys. I mean, I remember one time going to a, a drink and draw uh, with Dusty at the plaza, and he was just drawing all the caps I needed to try out. And this one does this, and this one does that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I remember buying, going to porch school in art supply and just buying, like, a few of every one. And then uh, in my garage, I just kind of, my wife gave me permission to paint in there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just started kind of just testing out the different caps and what each one does. And, and, you know, it wasn't easy. Like, there was definitely a big learning curve. But one thing, too, is I feel like I've always been pretty quick at picking things up. Like, once I kind of know what it is. You clearly have a natural ability, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember in high school, I mean, just in art class where they were trying to throw a curveball, like, okay, now we're going to do watercolors. And this is kind how you do watercolor I would usually pick it up pretty quick same you know like charcoal or like let's just try oil yeah. paints this time and they never dry so it's a whole different way of painting yeah um and so whenever it came time to do spray paint I mean one it was really great because it, it's much faster to kind of cover an area with a spray can right. especially with a really fat cap um and also I don't know there's a there's a softness with spray can that I really like and that it's very uh um, See, so like doing portraits and stuff, it's really great to do like a very soft gradient in somebody's face. Uh, but yeah, you know, it was a, a medium that I knew that I had to learn if I wanted to do murals. And, yeah. uh, you know, every single mural that I do, I learn something new and how to maintain the can better, how to, uh, you know, keep the pressure low so I can do more detail. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like anything else. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And so. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you, uh, was it hard for you to scale, like scale the size? Because obviously you're going from a canvas to going yeah. to like, this is a, this is a massive side of a building. Was that kind of difficult? No, man. That's another thing too, that everybody or artists, when they approach me, um, you know, they're traditional canvas painters and they're just like a little scared about taking mm -hmm. something on that big. Like, I think if you're an artist, you'll figure it out that it's, I mean, it's just a much bigger canvas yeah. and you're essentially doing the exact same thing. It's just, again, yeah, like a scale that's 10 times larger than yeah. what you're used to. But, um, yeah, I mean, I actually I remember like the first meal that I ever did uh, behind the neutral salon. I, first day there, I was completely way in over my head and I just kind of wanted to pack my things and skip town because I, 
Yeah, it was hard, you know, especially with with uh, with painting. I never feel like the first day it ever looks good. It's yeah. Still to this day, whenever I do a mural, it's always disappointing. The very first day, it's just a mess. And uh, I've kind of learned just the process of just kind of trusting it and knowing that uh, the more that you kind of carve and chip away at it, it'll take shape. But um, but yeah, it's a it's, it's definitely something that uh, takes a little bit of time to yeah to to learn. And then so like you said earlier, like this kind of just takes off, and you just start getting orders, and people would come. You know, can you come and do this for us? And, and, yeah. and then you probably got to think, figure out pricing, and and a kit. Yeah. Like, how big is it? Like you know, you, you do you price it the same as like you would uh, a canvas by size? See, I never even actually to this day, I still don't know how to price canvases for whatever reason. Right. I. Because people mostly, in the art world, it's mostly size, right? Yeah, yeah, so for murals, I mean, it's really easy because I just ask people, like, what are the dimensions of the wall? And I figure out the square footage, yeah. and I can just give them a quote right away because I have a, a certain rate for sure. square foot. Yes. Uh -huh. um, so that's great because I'm, you know, even if, like, the price is really high, I can be like, sorry, you know, like, this is just what it's it is. It's because the big wall, wall is so big. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but with canvases, it's funny because people are like, well, so you might charge as much for murals. How come you charge almost the same for canvases? And it's still, I mean, I'd be, I'm Surprise myself, like to do canvases. Yeah, like I just feel like it's, um, you know, whenever you're dealing with a wall, it could be very easy to kind of just cover a square foot. You know, sure. I think in that yeah. way. When it comes to a canvas, for whatever reason, when you start to get even smaller and smaller, and like you don't have a brush that's small enough to get a detail that you want, yeah. it's just I don't know. It's tough, man. So I still don't quite know how to do my pricing for canvases, but it's something I'm working on and trying to figure out because I'd like to start doing that a little bit more. Sure. Um, you're gonna, yeah. I mean, the good thing is that, like, although these giant billboards around the state of Oklahoma are, you know, like they're, they're, you know, advertising your work yeah. as well as the businesses. Not everybody, you, you know, you want to be, you want to have a piece in people's houses, right? Yeah. Like the pieces we have upstairs at the Hall of Fame. Like you want to have a piece in people's houses, and that's where generally probably the longevity of mm -hmm. your career and product is not just having murals all over buildings because there's more there's artists you know you're not the only one who does this but also mm -hmm. like you know if someone drives down the street in Yukon and sees that piece in Yukon or multiple pieces in Yukon like I want a piece by that guy yeah I want it in my office I want it in my man cave or my house or my portrait or whatever like that's the good thing right but yeah, also man. like I, it makes sense to me that you that with the pricing going back to the canvases because it's so because it's, it's a smaller space and it's so much more detail yeah it's effectively even though it's a smaller piece it's more work yeah right and also I mean you're painting in my case you know I'll be doing an oil painting and just for one the just one type of oil paint is really expensive and yeah. so um, the process yeah it can sometimes be um, especially, I mean, if you want to do something that like, looks very realistic or sure. very, very complex, it can take longer than a mural. You yeah. know, I, um, so yeah, I don't know. Like my, my stance right now, as far as like what, where my career is and what I want to do, like I want to keep doing murals for as long as I can. Sure. Um, I know like lately I've been feeling definitely my age kind of starting to get in the way. Like my lower back's been, <laughs> it, which it, yeah. it's sad. Everything Everybody warned me hurts. about it and yeah, here we yeah. are, you know, like my right. lower back is starting to kind of wear out and my wife is a physical therapist. And so, I mean, she'll tell me like, it's your posture. Like you're a little too far back on this side and you're engaging all your muscles up here whenever you're painting. So I know that this is only temporary and I know that the walls are temporary themselves. You know, if it's not a building owner painting over it, it's yeah. the weather, it's the sun that's going to wear it out or, you know, the paint will eventually chip away and it'll look like those Coca-Cola mm -hmm. ads, you know, from 50 years ago. So I know that eventually I'm going to have to do the transition into painting solely on canvas. Yeah. And uh, 
Um, and that's kind of yeah, where, where I've been at lately, just kind of figuring out now what my strategy is going to be for that. And it's great that I started doing murals because, like you said, it's a great way to get exposure, which yeah. I hate that word. Yeah. But um, people become more familiar with you whenever they've seen a giant piece of yours next yeah. to Stone Cloud or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so that's been great to kind of get a little bit of a, of a head start, but now it's a fact of a, or a matter of like trying to figure out what my paintings are going to be and what they're going to be about. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Because then, like you know, you 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 can draw a lot from your personal story, right? Mm -hmm. But also, people are going to come to you and say, you know, they're going to get like like the murals that you do, right? You know, especially mm -hmm. if it's for a town, you 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 know, you ask them, okay, what are the key things for this town? Yeah. They give you 10 words, right? Or 10 things you want to incorporate. And that's very easy for you to put that together. Yeah, just a little collage. Or something. Yeah, that yeah. seems simple to put that as well onto a canvas for a family, right? Mm -hmm. Or something like that. But if someone comes to you and just says, oh, just paint me something. Yeah. Like, that's the worst. That's the worst thing. Yeah, that's the worst thing. Right? Like, I can paint anything. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. What, what I do you struggle want to with do? that, man. Yeah. I would still, too, yeah. Like, I got plaza walls coming up this, uh, this fall. Yeah. Um, and last year, I had a terrible time trying to think of like what I wanted to paint you know because yeah. they're like hey you can paint anything you want and this there is, is the a nice thing, thing to, to say, say yeah whenever you have like a client that's like hey I, at least just incorporate something with right the name of our business so then you know okay I have a sandbox to play in yeah and you can be creative in that sandbox and come up with something very interesting yeah. and um but whenever it's a matter of, of uh, okay, now what do you want to say? Like, what do you want to paint about? Like, what's your subject? I mean, I'll just run around in circles just trying to, yeah, you know, catch my own tail. And every once in a while, yeah, I mean, like, I'll think of something that's inspired, you know, like the piece that I did, like I said, of the man and the little girl. But mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the times, yeah, it's just digging deep and finding what it is that I want to paint with nobody else looking over my shoulder or nobody else wanting to check a mock-up or something. Yeah. It's really like, how do you want to express yourself here? And that's something that I'm still trying to work through. And as a matter of fact, I made the decision a couple of weeks ago that like, I'm not doing any more customized commissions, at least for a while. Okay. Um, same with murals. I've had to tell some clients that I'm currently wanting to play more in, sure. in my art style and there are certain notes that I will not take anymore, you know, that kind of thing. And so I feel I'm in the transition process where I'm uh, hopefully going to get a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more brave with, okay. uh, with my work. And, uh, <clears throat> we'll see how that plays out. This could be the end of it all. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, the good thing is you can always go back to doing murals. True. Yeah, yeah. I'll you just know, go visit more small towns and yeah. they'll paint their murals all day. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah. People, I mean, probably the only Probably the thing that were the the only downside to that is some small towns don't have the budget that you'd like to be. Yeah, paying. you know that is Sadly. a downside. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, I think it's just something right now that I'm trying to figure out because I do feel a lot of envy for a lot of my my friends here in OKC. You know, like like Chris Cannelly or yeah. Dusty. You know, Virginia's Ice, which is at Sunny Days. You know, like all these like amazing artists that have a very distinct style and, and you can mm -hmm. point it out as soon as you see it. You know, yeah. like you know all these guys and what work they do. Um, I feel like, I, I mean, I could potentially have something like that, Yeah. but I get also mistaken for a lot of artists, you know, because whenever you have realism, whenever you deal in realism, if, if somebody else can do it better than you, you're kind of obsolete, you yeah, know, or it's yeah, also, yeah. Um, whenever there's not enough difference there is what, what really were you expressing? And so I'm trying to kind of figure out a way to uh, make my work a little bit more uh, personal to yeah, me yeah, yeah. and figure out just what part of me is going to 
be reflective. Sure. Tell me a little bit about kind of like, you know, on your about section of the website, it says you're kind of inspired through cinematic imagery. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff that you do literally looks like it jumps off the wall or off the page. Like the ones that we have upstairs, I thought they were like, I thought they were like pictures because they were really, the you yeah, know, from, thanks, I, I mean, I was like, this is insane, right? This is so good. And, and this obviously comes through your love of film as well. Uh-huh. Tell me about kind of, you know, that, where that, like the process of you kind of doing that and how it comes together. And I'm just fascinated by how your brain works and how you make something, you know, even if it's extremely boring, yeah. pop, off, pop off the, you know, off, off the canvas or off the, you know, off the, off the wall or whatever. Yeah. Um, so whenever I speak about like yeah, cinematic imagery and stuff, I, I always was fascinated in movies whenever you had like a really good close-up okay. of an actor, you know, like performing, and they're not seeing anything, but they're expressing something. Um, I love pointing that out in movies whenever something like that happens. And so whenever I think of my artwork, I love painting people and I love portraiture, and I always love to kind of capture a certain... Um, I don't know, like in the case of like my dad's painting, he's not doing anything with his face, but... I like whenever you're able to sort of decipher a, a feeling or a secret or, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. people's faces, whenever they're doing nothing, maybe just thinking, uh, it can be a very personal experience because you're wondering what their secrets are and what right. they're, what they're maybe gone through. And, and that's always the kind of trick that I'm going after is, is, uh, that personal connection whenever you lock eyes with someone. But in this case, it's something very artificial. It's a painting, mm-hmm. but there's still a humanity there. Um, that's what I find most interesting, and that's constantly what I pursue whenever I paint. And that's why I feel like I can't get away from painting people or uh-huh. portraiture, because I'm just so interested in how people express themselves and their emotions. And, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know if I've answered the question, but it's... Well, it's especially just, the what, eyes, right? The like eyes, the, yeah. The yeah, eyes yeah. are, you know, especially the one on your dad upstairs. Like, just the, the detail in the eyes, and, and, you know, that's something that obviously, like, it's you've you know, perfected and it's been something. And the other photo that I'm kind of looking at is uh, the thing, which I'll put this in the video for people listening, is this one, right? Oh, yeah. Where is uh-huh. that? So that is at a, uh, or was it a restaurant in Edmund called Jackrabbit Slims? Okay. Um, but since then, I think the, the business has changed over into a, I think Yo Pablo, I think is what it is now. And so, sadly, that mural currently has a bunch of TVs. Uh, like this 32, all over fa- it. 32 faces. There's 32 faces. And yeah, man, that one's especially tough because I did that at the same time that I did the Stone Cloud mural, where I did them both back to back. Yeah. So I did those 32 portraits plus the 10, I think, 10 that are at Stone Cloud. Okay. And that's the last time that I ever did. Or. I swore to never do another. Celebrity <laughs> well, it's portrait. in black and white too, which is a lot harder than yeah, color, and, and right? it's um, yeah. I mean, it's just too much, <laughs> especially the the issue with portraits or with uh, recognizable faces is everybody can recognize them, and so yeah. if something's off, it's very easy to yeah. to uh, criticize something, and so. Um, I just, again, every single face, I would just work on it over and over and over again until at least it felt and looked like the person. But it was exhausting. I mean, that one took me a month, I think, to do, roughly. And, and there are some days that I really felt like I was having a, a meltdown just because was, I was so tired of painting people. I, I'm not surprised. And why isn't Tom Cruise looking like Tom Cruise? Like, I just can't, I can't yeah. figure out what I'm doing wrong. And it's, it was pretty maddening. And, but, you know, the difference, though, between this one and, say, Stone Cloud, like, the one in Stone Cloud, it... it it was special to me because, again, it was kind of the idea between all these different people and what they represent, and that kind of amalgamated into something interesting to what the wall represented, mm-hmm. you know? And what is this value that they all kind of carry 
Um, and that's what I'm more interested in. This one was a little bit more about the glamour of Hollywood or the glamour of being yeah. a celebrity. Um, and that one I think can have a little bit more of like a shallow sort of uh, mm -hmm. note. But technically, it's something that I'm very proud of. It's something that I'm. Oh, for sure. Once I got to the very end, it, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could finally. When you live take a step back and you get that <laughs> satisfaction of it's done, everybody looks like they should look. This yeah. is incredible. Like. And I think that is definitely one that people probably would buy a print of. Yeah, right? yeah, no, I'm, I'm still very proud of that one. That's why it kind of does break my heart a little bit that it's not mm -hmm. in the state that it was just because I worked so hard on it. Yeah. But uh, that's, the, that's the tough part of the that's job. That's the tough part, man, yeah. Right? yeah. And again, you just have to know that they're all temporary and uh, you hope that they last a long time. But, yeah. you know, in this case, uh, I have photos of it. Yeah. And it, looks, it still looks great, so. The other one uh, that, I, that I kind of like, kind of, I mean, just see and, and have kind of an attachment to or a little bit of relation to is the Matt Hoffman one. Because he yeah. was, so I interviewed Matt and that was like one of my favorite, like nerded out. Because I used to play his video games as a kid. Yeah, right? yeah, You're, me you know, too, we're, we're close to the oh, same yeah. age, right? You so had those, uh, and then you had the yeah. Tony Hawk. And the, so he yeah. was like a legend for me growing up. But when I interviewed him, it was the first time that I was like legit shaking nervous sat mm -hmm. across the table from him. Oh, yeah. uh, and this was like early on in the, like, I, this was like, top 50 I think I'd done I mean now we're you know we're almost at 500 or whatever I've done plenty now but like his story is insane yeah and a lot of people still don't know that he's like lives in Edmond like, oh yeah he's man. a local kid he's a local hero yeah so how was that painting out you know painting him and painting about him and like that must have been so cool yeah I mean there uh, one of the best days on that project was before we even started we had a walkthrough of the place with Matt uh -huh. um, and he shared his ideas with us and kind of what he kind of wanted to see uh, yeah painted and represented and um, I mean to me the scariest part of that one too is I think that may have been like the first time that I did a portrait of a person on a mural that that person's gonna see it you know <laughs> and he's gonna be able to uh, uh, give you his feedback give me his feedback yeah that's terrifying you know where you're just like yeah it's not really quite right. me there you know so I knew I had to get it right so there's that pressure for one yeah but yeah like you said you know he's also been like a huge hero of mine and it was a huge uh, pleasure for that one especially because I got to work with Chris Cannelly and Tony Thunder and Jose Scott who are also amazing artists here in OKC and that was like the first also group project that I was ever a part of yeah and I love the collaboration and the uh um, sifting through ideas and see kind of what you know creative Darwinism like what right. ideas are going to make it to the top and uh, yeah again it was a pleasure to paint Matt and I from what I understand he's seen it and he really liked it and so yeah. I can sleep at night you know that's super cool to have that right to, to just be able to you know meet that person and yeah. like have him talk through kind of what he sees and what he wants and also to do it for the with a group with you guys too as well like that's pretty special yeah. right to do it as a group because is that yeah. kind of like a common thing now where like i mean i know we just had the mural fest right uh -huh. but to have the community come to a spot and like just really you know transform a location yeah that, that must be really special i uh i mean one of the best times of my life uh was plaza walls last year it was the uh -huh. first year that i did it and um I don't know if this kind of goes back into the theme of my life where I don't quite really know where to fit in, you know, with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, got Costa Rica, got the States, you don't really know what, <clears throat> where you belong. But I remember that, that week in particular being around people who are all like-minded and all uh, are creative yeah. and passionate about what they do. I felt very much like this is right where I belong. And yeah. I felt finally part of a community, you know, that I, uh, that I loved. And so many people that I love and admire are, and everybody there is so supportive as well. Um, 
And yeah, I don't know, man. Like any time that there's something happening here in this in in Oklahoma, you know, that it can be very disheartening politically or uh, all these kind of like crazy laws, things that kind of uh, have been coming into place. My uh, things that calls, calms me down anyway is just knowing of all these other these friends that I have that are still wanting to change things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of keeps me going a little bit. With you've also dabbled in a little bit in the, the kind of digital art stuff as well. Yeah, man. Yeah, I uh, got an iPad eventually, and that was the first time that I started to paint and draw digitally. Yeah. And it was great just to kind of learn at first just what that's like. Um, there's definitely a, a different feeling doing something digitally because you can do anything and all the tools are there to make it as easy as possible to do something. So if yeah. you mess up, you can just double tap and it erases it and, undo, and undoes it. And it spoiled me to a point where whenever I draw on pencil and I would mess up, I would just <laughs> double tap the thing, you know, just out of instinct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's there's definitely that difference. I always kind of compared it to, to like digital film and regular film where like digital, you can do anything you want. And that's a good thing, and also it can be a bad thing. There's also you need to have like the discipline whenever you're painting yeah. with oils that, you know, now you have to let it dry, or now you have to scrape it off and start over. And digital is just a great tool, yeah, to just kind of know as well, because that's actually how I design all my murals. It's always with an iPad, okay. and uh, and I draw them out, and I usually present the client like this is the final. Design. This is what I'm going to. This is exactly what it's going to look like. Yeah, because that's what I'm going to use as a reference the entire way through. Yeah. Um, and so it's great to have that instead of having to sketch something out on a piece of paper. Now they can see exactly these are all the colors I'm going to use. Is how this is going to look. That's awesome. And so um, it's definitely a great tool and very easy to to present a finished concept. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So finishing up, do you still have the the movie bug? Are you still gonna like? Do you still want to pursue the movie thing? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Actually, still... I, I do go back and forth every once in a while because uh, I don't know. Just like the older I get to, the more I realize how much of a romanticized that industry is. Mm -hmm. Or being a filmmaker is much more difficult than I think we all mm -hmm. understand. Just getting a project going, you know, it's yeah. really difficult, and you have to conduct an army to get something like that done. And I just really kind of like working by myself, you know, and having all the decisions come down to what I want to do creatively, and not right. having to deal with a bunch of different egos and and budget and all the other all stuff. budget. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're dealing with a lot of money too when you get a film together, and so. Part of me still wants to do it just so I can say that I did it one day, but right. I don't know if it's something that I want to actually pursue. I think if I actually can find a story or write a story that I, I am desperate to tell, I'll give it a go. But right now, I'm just really happy where I am. You yeah. Know? Very content. Would you go down kind of like just the YouTube route, make small documentaries through YouTube and stuff like that? I don't know, man. I, I want to do a feature film. You know, I want to do something that maybe do the festival circuit at some point. Yeah. I went to Death Center this year. Mm -hmm. And I was very inspired by just uh, all the filmmakers there and the films that I saw and just imagining how nice it would be just kind of sit there and actually uh, yeah. show a film of my own and invite friends over and we can all kind of watch it and be proud of it. Yeah. So yeah, that bug will come back pretty frequently, but every once in a while too, I'm like, you know, there are people who are probably much better than I am. I, I'm, I am, I'm good where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. But you never know. Again, like I, I'm also very interested in sculpting. I'd love to start... Uh, that process at some point. I love bronze sculptures and yeah. I just want to pour some lava into some casts and just break it with hammers and yeah, yeah, do that yeah. kind of very dirty work of a, in a studio somewhere. So I still want to explore and try different things. You know, I haven't quite settled where I'm at, but I'm just happy where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm right. very willing to just park my car here for a minute. And yeah, and take a breather yeah, after yeah, yeah. just wild few years you've had during the mural scene and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and again, like, I'm still kind of hoping to have like that moment. You know, I don't remember where he was, but Bob Dylan at one point in uh, upstate New York, he was going to go do a show 
folk concert, and he showed up on an electric guitar and yeah. kind of started a, a riot. You know, not, people weren't expecting that. I kind of want to do that at some point too. Just completely change what I'm doing. And yeah, it's like that scene in Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. Where he's yeah like, your kids are <laughs> just gets after it. He's like shredding guitar. You're like, yes. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it might be too uh, much for you guys, but your kids will love it. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Cool uh, one day. I think so. I mean, you've you got plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, finishing up, what are you working on right now? What's on the sketch pad that nobody gets to see? Like, what, I mean, other uh, than yeah. what you've mentioned. I mean, I definitely have a few murals coming up. Uh, might try to get, get around to doing one this month. Might be two next month. I'm not quite sure yet with the scheduling. But, I mean, I'll be doing one on 23rd uh, yeah. by Tower Theater at a 23rd Street Body Piercing. That's uh -huh. kind of the next one that I've kind of signed up to do. Okay. Um, so I, I'm still designing that one and, and trying to figure out yeah. what the drawing's going to look like. I got Plaza Walls later in the fall. And, then, yeah, I mean, there's a few next year that are coming up that I can't quite talk about yet, but I might be going out of state okay. and doing some work. So Would that be the first time you travel to do work? Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, that'll be the first time that I've been out of state. That's exciting. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I was also hoping at some point uh, go over to where my sister's at in Italy and hopefully doing one in Europe. I mean, I think like that's the mecca where I'd like to yeah. put up a mural. So we'll see. I don't know. I, I still have plenty on the on the docket. And um, yeah, I just kind of hope that it kind of keeps coming up so I don't have to go back to the land surveying. You know. <laughs> hey, we all have that one job that we like, I will do anything not to yeah. go back to doing that. Exactly. Right? As long as my paycheck that. is bigger than what I was making a month there, yes. I'm, I'm happy. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, well, mate, thank you so much for, uh, thank you, man. Yeah, it was for great. coming down. This is a pleasure to dive into kind of like the backstory of what you do and everything and the meaning behind everything and, and just to see the passion that you have for this artwork. You know, well, like, you, you know, man. just, yeah. and I'm so, I, I'm really thankful to, to do that upstairs walk and talk because because, you know, it's so much different getting to hear from the artist what that means, yeah. what their piece means, right? It makes so much sense to me now, and I understand it, rather than just seeing a child on a guy, you know, on a, on a, on a dance sh you know, shoulders, or yeah. like a monkey with a gun, or whatever it is. Like, it's it's really, really cool. So it's context, yeah. It's context, for sure. Yeah. Um, for people listening, the Carlos's website is carlosbarboza.com. I'll put that in the description below. And also, you should definitely go follow him on Instagram, cbarboza underscore art. I'll also post that in the description and if you want to reach out and have him to come and do some work for you or I don't know buy some work or whatever it is you should definitely do that because it's epic and I think you know such an early on in the artist's career it's always advantageous to buy stuff that they did early on uh, that's just my generalized get in while it's good yeah. before he extremely blows up and <laughs> this stuff 10x's and adds a lot of zeros to the end of his work but thank you so much for coming down thank uh, you, excited to to kind of see you work Plausibles. Mm -hmm. Seems like that is just so much fun for you. I'm already stressing about it. So I don't know what I'm going to be painting. But. <laughs> is there a theme this year or not? No, there's never a theme. There's never whatever, theme? whatever your heart desires. Uh, see, that so would, I'm yeah, I, I, slamming my head against the wall every day and trying to think of something. But. It's going to be epic, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but thanks so much for coming down. And for people listening, like I said, I'll post the link to Carlos's website and his Instagram in the description. And we will catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma stories through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, Follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.